The sports pan lives here. Happy Friday to you. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. Coming at you for the final time before we hit the holiday break. And I tell you what, the days are going to start getting longer starting tomorrow. And it, you know, whatever the 21st is called, I don't know, is it a solstice or an equinox? I'd never get it right. All I know is I've got somebody who is smarter than me in with me. John Michael Hoefling of ABC10. Uh, if anybody knows, it would be you. Is well, it a solstice or an equinox? It's called a solstice, winter okay, that's solstice. It. But um, that just means it's the start of winter, and that means the days are going to get shorter, Tanner. No, the days get longer starting from the 21st until June 21st. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so- see, you think I'm smarter than you, but you pull out stuff like that. <laughs> I said asymptote once on this show. That doesn't mean I'm a smart guy. It means, I don't know, you're like associated with Stanford. Basically, so <laughs> I live near Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, he is here on a Friday rather than a Wednesday because of scheduling conflicts between well, both you and Ryan Steak was usually here on Friday, and it worked out perfectly that you were both able to uh, to flip day. So we're glad to have you here. Yeah, tell you what, you. we just found out something really cool, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> we're both leaving the office. This is our last day in the office until later toward New Year's. We mm-hmm. just. Found out we are on the same flight out of here tomorrow. How about yeah, that? Yeah, that's really cool. What if we're sitting next to each other on the plane to I Minneapolis? Don't think, well, I don't, I don't think Marquette's airport is big enough. This isn't a knock on Sawyer, but uh, I think that we get to choose our own seats. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you ta- you've taken flights? To I've Sawyer? taken flights out of here before. I I've never gotten to choose. You sure? No, it said like, the seat's going to be assigned up. at the gate. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, that'd be a bummer. But maybe we can switch with somebody. Oh, my maybe. gosh, that'd how be, cool That'd is be this? crazy, dude. That'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. But, you know, you told me you were flying out tomorrow at 7 a.m., and I'm like, that's when my flight is. I know there's only three destinations out of Marquette, so I figured one in three shot. It's Minneapolis. How about that? Well, what were the odds that, like, how many flights do they have that leave at the same time, too? Just yeah. knowing that they're it's at the same time really was like, okay, yeah, we're on the same flight. <laughs> So I tell you what, we're both, and then you got a flight from uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul to San Jose. How'd you manage yeah. that? What do you mean, how did I manage that? I mean, that, that just, without another layover. Oh, uh, I mean, you get on a bigger plane. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. That's it's true. not going to be like a Boeing 747 or an A380 mm-hmm. or anything like that, but it'll it'll be big enough and whatnot, so. Be in San Jose, pretty good yeah. time there. Probably be like lunchtime. It'll be 11 a.m. And actually, so my parents were supposed to pick me up from the airport. That was the original plan. (laughs) However, my friend Theron and I are two of the biggest Star Wars fans in the world. And uh, he was like, Michael, we need to see Star Wars ASAP when you get back. And I was like, okay, well, you know, my parents got to drop me off at home. I got to put my luggage away and stuff like that. He's like, no, I'm picking you up from the airport and we're going to go straight (laughs) from the airport to Star Wars. So I landed 1130-ish, I think, and we're literally going there and we have a showing at 1215. I tell you what, I am flying in from uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul tomorrow to Omaha. I'll be there around 10.30, and my pickup is not going to be as exciting or as festive as yours. Uh, my younger brother said that he wants to come along to pick me up because my hometown is two hours from Omaha. So my brother wants to come along when my parents scoop me up. And I'm like, that's so nice. He's excited to see me. He wants to go for Raising Cane's Chicken oh! in Omaha. He just wants his raisin cane. No joke, no joke. I have a list of foods and places that I want to go that I have missed since I came up here. (laughs) Raisin canes. The nearest raisin canes uh, from me 
is in Nevada. Mm-hmm. So, but there is one in Orange. So I, mm-hmm. I, so when I went to college, it was the best thing, man. We used to go to Raisin Cane's all the time. There was a Raisin Cane's in In-N-Out and a Chipotle all right next to each other, and it was glorious. <laughs> glorious days, but I haven't had Raisin Cane's <laughs> in so long, and I really want that again. Well, I'm going to have it tomorrow. I Lucky don't know if you. I'll enjoy it, but <laughs> how can I not enjoy it? I love it. I'm going to have In-N-Out tomorrow. So. In-N-Out tomorrow, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's I could go for that. I yeah. could go for an In-N-Out. Tell you what, though, we got a lot to get to over the course of the next hour, or so we're not off the hook yet. We still got a little work to do. We got the Bucks, Lakers, and the statement that was made last night by Giannis. Tell you what, if he keeps knocking down threes like that, it's over for the rest of the NBA. Yeah, five three pointers, <laughs> really knocking them down there. He's just, hey, come on, this is for Giannis. I guess this is Giannis. This is like one of the most unstoppable forces in NBA history, knocking down five threes against the vaunted Lakers. If, it, if he keeps doing that, it's over. I didn't watch much of that game. Who was shadowing him the whole night? Uh, I think they tried a few different guys and it didn't work. Should, they should put Anthony Davis on him. Yeah. Just, have, just have AD shadow him the I think whole game. he was on him a little bit, but he's still dealing with that lingering injury. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was as good as we'll see it or what have you, but still, pretty impressive from Giannis in the box. We got James Wiseman, the new trend that he's setting in the NBA and the NCAA, plus... Bill Barnwell came out with a really good column. 15 things that would have shocked you in the NFL if we would have told you them in August, and now they've come true. But first, let's start with this. Let's get our NFL picks because we have a weird schedule this week, Mike. There was no Thursday night football. Instead, we have three Saturday games for whatever reason. We'll talk about those. We'll pick those. We'll pick Sunday and Monday night football. Good schedule. Good slate of games this week, though. We've got Tampa Bay at home against Houston at 1 o'clock Saturday. I guess tomorrow now. I'm not used to you being here on Fridays. Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> I feel out of place. Um, Tampa Bay's been really good this year. They've been actually pretty surprising. Yeah, they were what two and six, and now they're seven and seven. Mm-hmm. And Jameis is one of those quarterbacks. Okay, here's the thing. This has been on my mind lately. If you had your choice between Jameis or Baker Mayfield, who'd you pick? Jameis. Yeah, I mean he puts up. He can put up 400 mm-hmm. yards a game. Uh, I, I might turn think, it over three times. I do think Jameis has some of the best weapons in the league, and I do love Bruce Arians as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've told you how much I love Bruce Arians. But um, he's still a little turnover prone, and I think that's the problem. You hear what James Jones said about him? No. said he was a $100 million quarterback. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Yeah. Uh, but I tell you, he's not had as bad of a year as people might think. And well, it's, it, it's, I get it's the just weapons, the turnovers. The weapons and the coaching have to do with that, I'm sure. But you're right. The turn, it's such a reckless style of football that can put up numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to pick Tampa Bay in this one, though. I'm picking Tampa. Are you? Good I'm thing. so far behind, I have to. <laughs> well, we still got the playoffs, keep that's in true, mind. They're true, weighted, and they, you're not out of it by any stretch. How about Buffalo at New England? New England. Yeah. yeah. If this game was in Buffalo, I'd pick the Bills. Would really? I would. I would. But I'm not going to pick against New England at Foxborough. Okay, that's not fair. Not to do that. How about the Rams at 49ers? I think the Rams are more desperate. The Niners, of course, are a 3-3 three and three team since going off to that 8-0 start. But their losses have been against arguably the best team under 500. I think the Falcons have the most complete roster for any team under 500. Um, besides maybe the Browns. But mm, maybe. That's it, yeah. yeah. Um, they've been against the Seahawks, uh, Ravens, and Falcons, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been three tough losses. This one's at San Francisco. Jimmy G's better at home. I'm going to go San Francisco. I would too because you know they they are still playing for something. You know, uh, L.A. is desperate, absolutely, but San Fran is still very much playing for playoff seating. Mm-hmm. That's going to be what's at stake for them this weekend. We've got Sunday night football: Kansas City at Chicago. 
KC. Yeah, I did. That, that offense is just going to blow them away. No joke. I I think that KC's defense is a little underrated. Like they had a it really is. bad start mm-hmm. to the season, but they've been way better at forcing yeah. turnovers lately. They have. They have. They started figuring things out, like how to stop the run. They couldn't against Derrick Henry, and that seemed to be the turning point for them. They're like, all right, we got to figure this out, mm-hmm. and they eventually seem to. They just have a better offense. Have the have the Chiefs moved past the Patriots in terms of AFC supremacy? Not yet. Not until the Patriots are knocked out of the postseason this year. Really? So you still At think? Least. Do you think if the Patriots and Chiefs met in the playoffs, the in Foxborough, the Pats would still win? Yeah, mm. I'd probably pick the Patriots. Mm. Dang. I, pro- I don't think a team can go into Foxborough and win twice in the same year. Dang, that's just tough for me to see. How about Monday Night Football? Fun one. Green Bay at Minnesota. No Dalvin Cook is what it sounds like for the Vikings. Yeah, that's not really going to matter. Alexander Madison has been arguably a top three backup in the league behind only Latavius Murray and Austin Eckler thus mm-hmm. far this season, in my opinion. I still think that the I, I think that the uh, Vikings are more desperate than the Packers because both of them are fighting for that division title. This one is in Minnesota. I'm going to pick the... Vikings. All right. Yep, I would agree because Mike Zimmer's never lost to the Packers in Minnesota. And I tell you what, it is Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football. Is this finally where he breaks the streak? Because he's 0-8. 0-8 on Monday Night Football. I hate that, that it's a quarterback stat. I don't think it is. I know you do. But I, I would like to see Kirk Cousins finally get that win. Maybe extract a little revenge on Rodgers for the Pro Bowl snub. Maybe. Maybe. Do you th- Wait, you think Kirk Cousins deserved it more than Rodgers? Oh, yeah. Really? I think Dak Prescott deserved it more than Rodgers. I, okay, so that was my thing. I said I think Dak Prescott, um, Matt Ryan maybe. like this. We're talking about Drew Brees, a guy that missed how many games? Five? Yeah, he, that's true. He did yeah. miss five games and still made the Pro Bowl. Which is just weird. Mm-hmm. Like he sh- No, he's good. <laughs> he's great. But, like, no. But Rodgers, I mean, as great as he is, I'm not trying to take away from that, but even Packer fans got to say this has been a down year for Rodgers. This has been a down year for him statistically, but I think that that's just because of how dominant Aaron Jones has been. Could be. You know, and he uh, he should have made the playoff, uh, the postseason. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, the Pro Bowl, Bowl himself. Thank he, you. Yeah, he should have. There were a couple snubs. Him mm-hmm. and Austin Eckler, I thought, were both huge snubs. Eckler, I thought, really should have made, especially after the first half he's had. I thought he would yeah. have been a good one. Well, not only that, but it's just like the, the Chargers were a daunting team, and then Melvin Gordon came back, and mm-hmm. now they're just worse. <laughs> I tell you what. Um, who else was snubbed? Darren Waller? Big yeah, snub. Darren, well, I mean, Darren Waller went up against Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. True. Mark Andrews is the number one weapon in the top offense in the league, and Travis Kelsey, you can't, like, you're just not better than Travis true, Kelsey. True, true. I don't know. I like Darren Waller a lot. I th- I, Josh Jacobs, I think, might have been the biggest snub on that team, though. That's true. Yeah. I like Josh Jacobs. How about in the NFC defensive side? Eric Kendricks didn't make it. Mm. Joe uh, did Danielle Hunter? Did Daniel Hunter make it? Uh, Daniel? Daniel, yeah, sorry. I don't know if he made it, actually. I can't think of off the top of my head. That I don't know. He's somebody that I think should have made it. Yeah. You know, if he didn't make it, then he's a snub. I don't remember if he made it off the top of my head or not. Uh, Who else got snubbed? Joe Schobert, I think, from Cleveland is how you say it. Mm -hmm. Good tackler, although I guess I can kind of see. Maybe I wouldn't call him a snub because I said it a few days ago. He's like Blake Martinez. Excellent tackler. Racks up tackles. Cannot cover somebody to save his life. It's like uh, Navarro Bowman after that injury. <laughs> Navarro Bowman was still a fantastic presence to stop the run game, mm-hmm. but just had no lateral movement after that uh, 
gruesome knee injury. I loved him watching him play like six years ago now. Like, wasn't 2013 kind of his prime? Yeah. 13, 14. Yep. I mean, I loved watching him play before that injury. And I'm glad to see that, you know, because they honored him earlier this year, didn't they? Mm-hmm, yeah. One of the games, yeah. I was glad to see. I liked him. Well, he had the pick at the stick. It's one of the most iconic plays in 49er history. <laughs> the pick at the stick. I remember watching that. Mm-hmm. Was that Monday Night Football? It was some primetime game. I think it was Monday night. I tell you what, though. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend, because we've got some other games that may not be on our pick schedule, what have you, but they should tell us a lot about some of these teams. You've got Baltimore playing a Cleveland team that actually beat them last time around. Cleveland may not be playing for anything, but Baltimore sure is. Could yeah. be a fun game. I think Cleveland still has a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that... I mean, they always have stuff to prove. Mm-hmm. Just because they're not good, but they want to prove that they are. Right. Fans are fans are giving up on them again. Mm-hmm. And this was supposed to be the year. This is going to be the year that breaks Browns fans, if any year is going to do it, right? Yep. Because this is the year. Super Bowl hopes. Mm-hmm. And I said before the season, 8-18 eight and 18 at best. <laughs> and right now, that's looking pretty good. Yeah. What are your takes? Is coming true. How about that? I know, it's crazy. It rarely happens. Bryce Harper, Cleveland Browns. That's it. Uh, Le'Veon Bell makes his, well, not his return to Pittsburgh, but it's the first time he's seeing Pittsburgh since the trade happened. I don't know if we'll get a few boo birds out there or not, what have you, but, you know, it's a home game. But uh, that could be fun to watch, how that transpires. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Going to keep an eye on that. And then we've got, maybe this one could be one of the more interesting games outside of Dallas-Philadelphia but New Orleans, Tennessee, I feel like is not getting talked about enough because Tannehill's been pretty darn good. Tennessee was quietly four and zero until last week. They you know had that four game winning streak, and then they ran into kind of a buzzsaw. PFF Pro Football Focus just put out a thing. It was the top five rated quarterbacks with a minimum of two hundred dropbacks this year. Mm-hmm. Tannehill ranks third Oof. behind Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. It's pretty good company. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, Tannehill has got this group going, and they are. You're making a playoff push, plus they're at home. If they were going into the Superdome, I don't think they'd be winning this game. But they're in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. There's life. There's life for this squad. Then, of course, you have Dallas at Philadelphia. Everyone's talking about, you know, is this going to define whether uh, Dak Prescott gets the big money or not? You know, it could be a defining game contract-wise for Dak. But this is equally as important for Carson Wentz, if not more so. This is judgment day for Carson Wentz in his career. Well, here's the thing. Philadelphia has no backup plan now. No. Without Nick Foles, right? They gave, they said, we're choosing you, Carson. We're choosing you. You were an MVP caliber quarterback. So he's already proven enough to stay in there. Dak mm-hmm. has not. So as much as this game, like, yeah, sure, it might be important for him, whence that is, I think it's still more important for Dak because Dak has no contract. Mm-hmm. They're saying, hey, Zeke is still the, the core of our offense. He's still the heart and soul of what we run through. So you are not as important to us as Carson Wentz is to the Eagles, mm-hmm. I think is what they're saying. Okay. So in order for Dak to prove that, he needs to not only win the division, but he needs to do something. He needs to prove that he's more than just stats. Because right now he's not. Can you? And I like that point, because he's not a guy that you really feel confident in to go down and lead a game-winning drive. He, he does have the numbers. He should be a pro bowler, but you don't feel like he's that kind of dominant quarterback when he's you're not down so, seven, you take a look at You take a look at who made the Pro Bowl, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Then mm-hmm. you look at the stats, and you're like, oh, maybe Dak should have. But yeah, right. it just doesn't feel like it this year. He just hasn't felt dominant. And I know that you don't think wins is a quarterback stat, but like the fact that he is a 500 quarterback right now just doesn't feel right like he should be in there. I tell you what, you think about the three guys who did make it in the NFC. You've got 
uh, Russ and Breeze and Rodgers. Those are absolutely guys I want with the football when my team's down mm-hmm. 17 minutes to go. Not Kirk or Dak, even though those guys had the stats to, to compete for. Uh, even Matt Ryan I would put up there. I okay. love Matt Ryan and what he's been able to do, but just... Yeah, it's not a matter of stats. Like, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott. Those are your top five for passing yards this mm-hmm. year. <laughs> not a lot of guys in that list yeah. <laughs> that I want with the football. My team's down seven, two minutes to go. I tell you what, though, uh, in regards to Carson Wentz, have you ever seen a move turn out to be more of a lose-lose than the Jaguars picking up Nick Foles and the Eagles saying Carson Wentz is their guy? Well, I mean, would it have been a win-win if they kept Nick Foles and the Jaguars took Carson Wentz? No, I think it was absolutely the right move to do. Yeah. I mean, you have to do that with yeah. a guy who was in the MVP race. You drafted high on him, and Nick Foles is a guy that you don't know what he's going to be going forward. He had some good years, but will he continue to have those? It was absolutely the right move. It just turned out to be a lose-lose for both teams. Yeah, I've just never seen that. I mean, it's an unfortunate thing, but yeah, like you said, it, they had to do it. Carson Wentz w- just has too much potential. Tell you what, let's take our first time out when we come back. Let's get into Bill Barnwell's list. 15 things that would have shocked you if we'd have told him before the NFL season kicked off. Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're along. 15 things that would have shocked you if we'd have told you this back in August, but they've come to fruition. Bill Barnwell put out this article here at ESPN, and it's really fascinating because, yeah, you're right. Like, if you would have told me a lot of this stuff back then, I wouldn't have believed it whatsoever. So let's get into this list. Number one, Lamar Jackson would blow away Tom Brady as a passer. His passing numbers significantly better than Brady's this year, and I get A lot of people's passing numbers are That's true. Better. I know. I get that age has to factor into it, what have you. But still, this is Tom Brady. This is one of the all-time greats. I mean, you look at them, you compare them. Jackson, 66% completion percentage. Brady's at 60. If you don't like completion percentage, I get that. Drops factor into it. Yards per attempt, 7.8 to 6.5 in favor of Jackson. 33 touchdowns to 21 in favor of Jackson. Only six interceptions for Jackson. Seven for Tom Brady. QBR, 112.8 for Jackson and 86.5 for Tom Brady. Jeez. How about that? Yeah, it has been uh, a wild ride for Lamar Jackson, a guy that I didn't think would be the MVP. I mean, I'll admit that. Like two weeks into the year, I thought, okay, maybe I'm wrong about him, but he's just not going to win the MVP. Now he's going to. He's at minus 900 in Vegas right now. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Not worth it. Nope. <laughs> Tell you Meanwhile, what. I think Russell Wilson is something like plus 200 or 300, which means if you put down 100, you get 300 back. Hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Works for me. How about the league leader in sacks would have been a cast-off by his former team? The Broncos thought, yeah, we got Von Miller. Good enough. Let's get rid of the Shaq Barrett guy who goes to Tampa and gets 16 and a half sacks to lead the NFL and tie Warren Sapp's franchise record. That's crazy. Who would have thought Shaq Barrett would be leading the NFL in sacks? No one. Like, I think we thought he was good, I think. We thought, we, we knew he was, we, we knew he was good, but we, he spent the whole time behind Von Miller, behind mm-hmm. these other defensive stars. We were just like, eh. <laughs> now he gets a shot? I'm happy for him. <laughs> Bless you. Wait, Thank was you. that a cough or a sneeze? That was a sneeze. Okay, good. Then I'm, I'm glad I used the right... You know, colloquialism, I guess. I don't you can bless a cough still. Okay, what well, works for me. Um, how about this? This might be my favorite one that's on this list. 
three quarterbacks would lead their team in both passing and rushing yards. Since the NFL merger, there have only been six quarterbacks to do it. We have three of them this season alone, and one of them is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah, Ryan One of them is Ryan Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Lamar Jackson, obviously, and Josh Allen, right? It is actually Kyler Murray instead of Josh oh, Allen. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I see where you'd think that. Um, yeah, with no David Johnson, we were thinking that he was going to be the one who'd run away with all yeah, the well, carries. They still have no David Johnson. He's healthy, <laughs> but for some reason, Kenyon Drake. I tell you what, though. Three quarterbacks this season... That's already half of what we've had since all of 1970, and you're starting to see the emergence of the mobile quarterback. I like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting kind of football. Change I like in it. Fo- change in football. It is a change in football, and I know the Tom Coughlins of the world just hate that. But <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, number four in this list, Dak Prescott is the best quarterback of the 2016 draft class. Are you willing to go that far nope. yet? Not yet? No. Nope. Nah. Carson Wentz still. Still think it's Carson Wentz. You and Dan Orlovsky would be friends, I think. <laughs> I still <laughs> think it's Carson Wentz. Well, it's just because of what I said. Mm-hmm. Like, Carson Wentz had that fantastic season, so he's built up enough of a resume, mm-hmm. more of a resume than I think uh, Dak has. Has he, though? His Dak backup had, won the Super Bowl that year. Dak has had Zeke this whole time. Well, who has Who has Carson Wentz had? Miles Sanders. Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi. A <laughs> uh, washed up Jay Ajayi. Uh, Lendell Smallwood. When, yeah. Boston yeah, exactly. Scott. Exactly. He, he, he con- consistently, every single year, he leads the league in dropped passes. Like I think he had Darren Sproles once, too. Yeah. yeah. He, like, he does not have the weapons. They were hoping that Golden Tate would be the thing, but mm-hmm. then as soon as Golden Tate got there, guess what? Carson Wentz got hurt. So all of a sudden, he's, he doesn't have those weapons. The only thing he has is Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz is great, phenomenal. I love him. But... It's just not enough. Tell also, you also, I'm in the championship in that uh, chiropractic. Is that right? Or, yeah, I could, I, I could win some. You I could, could win some in here. You absolutely could. You feel good about your laugh this week? <sighs> no. By the way, we call it Super Bowls when it comes to football. Okay. You're yeah. in a fantasy Super Bowl. I'm in a fantasy Super Bowl, yes. I'm in three fantasy Super Bowls. How about that? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm, well, one of them ends this week, and it's my Chapman League, mm-hmm. and I'm against my friend Tim, and I had a better week than him last week. So hopefully I, I, need to, I need to either win or lose to him by less than 12, and I'll win that championship. All right. All yeah. right. Tell you what, number five on this list, the Pittsburgh Steelers playoff hopes depend on Devlin Hodges connecting with James Washington. Anybody see that coming? I sure didn't. I didn't know Devlin Hodges was when the season started. I knew of a duck, but no duck. knew of a duck. (laughs) I tell you what. Number six, the quarterback class of 2004 would see their era end in 2019. Not Ben. Big Ben, I think, is still in there. I don't know. Well, who knows what he'll look like coming <laughs> yeah, I know. off injury Big age ben, 38. Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, mm-hmm. and of course, who could forget Matt Schaub? <laughs> uh, Michael Thomas would keep doing historic things. I don't like that one on this list. I think we all kind of saw Michael Thomas being among the best receivers in football, but he has clearly been the best yeah. one. This well, year. he's doing incredible things. Obviously, like... He's he's set the pace for most receptions through 14 games. Mm-hmm. He's set the NFL record already for most reception, most games with 10 plus receptions mm-hmm. in his season. Stuff like that. I think we just didn't see the yards coming. I mean, he's not even leading the league in touchdowns. Yeah, which I know is like, oh, he's not even doing that. But 
I mean, yeah, he's doing great things, but he's not like winning the triple crown or anything like that. I don't know that you can attribute wide receiver touchdowns as being like the biggest negative against him. It's oh, just... I'm not. Obviously, you know, I appreciate that with right. my my opinion on Devontae Adams. Exactly. But, like, I, I'm not denying that he's been great, and obviously, Julio doesn't get into the end zone a lot, but he's still phenomenal. So, like, yeah, but. Uh, I just think it would be more impressive if he did get into the end zone more. Speaking of the Saints and the Falcons, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Julio did find the end zone at the right time on Sunday. Twice, yep. And that was the biggest surprise, I think, of the NFL Sunday. Marcus Peters would make it to the Pro Bowl as a Baltimore Raven. I feel like that same thing could be said about Minka Fitzpatrick sure, with the Steelers. absolutely. The Patriots would have one of the best defenses in league history. I thought they'd be good. I didn't see him being this good. Yeah, other than Stephon Gilmore and the McCordy twins, and maybe Jamie Collins. I don't mm-hmm. know if I, at the beginning of the season, I could have named anybody on that team. Right? Yeah. Van Noy? Yeah, Kyle Van Noy, I could have named him. Other but, than them, no. There's yeah. not a whole lot of recognizable you know, household names there. Mm-hmm. But that secondary has been the best part of that team, and they have just been otherworldly. Yeah. Let's see. The Bucks' defense would be decent. <laughs> I mean, okay. that, that's sort of backing off of Shaquille Barrett, right? Yep, yep. Basically, when you have Shaquille Barrett, then, yeah, you're going to be okay. How about Kirk Cousins would be a down-ballot MVP candidate? I uh, didn't see it coming. I mean... He's probably going to be, like, on the ballot, technically one, speaking, but, yeah, has no chance. He's, but He's one of those guys where, like, every single time I look at him and I look at his stats, I'm just like, I don't feel like he earned that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I think he's all right. I, I, I would still take Alex Smith over him. Oh, you take I, I, Alex I would. Smith over everybody. No, I wouldn't. Yes, uh, you would. I just, think, I, I just think Alex Smith is really... He's better than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I would put Alex Smith like one or two slots above Kirk Cousins. And, th- of course, if Alex Smith never plays again, obviously I wouldn't. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but we're going back to Kirk thing. Like, a lot of it just has to... I feel like... I feel like... What have I said? I've said that the quarterback makes the receivers 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is that 10%, I think. Just really? having Stephon Diggs, <laughs> having Adam Thielen, having the, the arguably the best straight-up run game. Like Obviously, I think Christian McCaffrey's been better than Dalvin Cook this year, but I think that um, just having... The, but I think that Dalvin Cook, as a runner, has been better than Christian McCaffrey has this year. I tell you what, and I might agree with that, I tell you what, as, as an overall back, you know, with his ability to pass catch and his ability to run mm-hmm. physically, uh, McCaffrey, I would say, is the better back, but you're right that Dalvin Cook is probably a better pure runner than McCaffrey and than most running backs in the NFL right now, but you got to at least put Cousins on the ballot because whether it's the receivers making him or the other way around, he's still putting up good enough numbers. He, he doesn't have a chance at winning, nor should he win it, but he's got to be on the ballot. I mean, I he's going to be last place on the ballot. Like, I would put Dak above him. I would, I would put, too. I would put, I mean, who else is a down-ballot MVP candidate? Probably Michael Thomas, the way I'd that put, the NFL treats wide receivers. I'd put Michael Thomas above him. Like, the, there are so many people. I'd Any put, defensive players you'd put above him? Stephon Gilmore. Okay. I'd probably put above him. Okay. Uh, Nick Bosa. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, Nick Bosa's been great, but he's not an MVP candidate. I will say, though, that... Kirk Cousins may not be the Vikings' leading MVP candidate. Dalvin Cook Dalvin might Cook, have a better yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah, yeah. Abs- I, I 100% agree with mm-hmm. that. How about this one? Nick Foles would be benched after four games in favor of Gardner Minshew. Well, okay, after four starts. Okay, fine, four starts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Gardner just attracts the media. He attracts attention. Like, who cares about the Jaguars? The Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans are the two most forgettable franchises in the NFL. And all of a sudden... 
this one dude goes to London with a handlebar mustache, and everybody loves the Jaguars. No, no, no. I think this happened well before that. I think this happened immediately because he actually played pretty well the first game no, against so, the so, Chiefs when he so came Minch- in. So Minshew Mania was, you know, it was happening in the U.S., but then Minshew went international, mm-hmm. and then that's when it became stellar. Then they got the chaps over there, got to see him warming up in his jock strap in the pregame and what have you, and... I love, I love the whole idea of Nick Foles is like, man, everybody loves my backup more than me. I wish somebody <laughs> could relate. And there's Carson Wentz smiles. I tell you what, kickers would have their worst collective season in years. I used to think last year was the down year for the kicker. When Justin Tucker misses a PAT, you know it's something bad. Mm-hmm. That's a bad uh, omen to everyone. And then how about Adam Vinatieri and his struggles this year? Matt Bryant getting cut. Robbie Gold going down. Robbie Gold going down, but he's still been performing well. Yeah, well then Chase McLaughlin freaking punching one (laughs) against the Seahawks. I could have won it. (laughs) And, uh, oh, what's his name? Eddie Pinero. You know, that's still a roller coaster, what have you. Tell you what, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Ryan Tannehill would have been one of the league's best quarterbacks. I know. He, he surprises people sometimes. Like mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, the Dolphins went 3-0 to start the season, and mm-hmm. I think they were 3-1, and and then he went down with an injury. So he's shown signs of really of being great, except he's 31 now. How good is he? I tell you what, how big of an indictment is not only Ryan Tannehill, but Minka Fitzpatrick, their performances out of Miami with other teams, how big of an indictment is that against Adam Gase? It's, it's not a good look. No. It, it looks bad. <laughs> I don't know if it's... Uh, directly attributed to him or not, but it looks bad. Yeah. How about the last one in this list? The air raid offense Cliff Kingsbury has put in at Arizona has not been a colossal success nor a miserable failure. No, and I still think it's going to take a couple more years. Mm-hmm. I think that he needs a couple more weapons, and as, mu- as much as I hate to say it, I don't think Larry Fitzgerald really fits in that offense right. anymore. Right, I agree. And I love Fitz, but at this point, he's just starting to age out of the league. Guys mm-hmm. just kind of hit that wall. But I do like Kingsbury, and I do like Murray. And as long as Murray is putting up good numbers, which he is, I think Kingsbury is safe. Yeah. With that, let's take another timeout. Let's talk a little basketball next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along. Here's your Sports Center update. The news that the Toronto Raptors didn't want to hear, Pascal Siakam and Mark Gasol are both out indefinitely. Toronto's currently 19-8 and 4th place in the NBA's Eastern Conference. The New York Knicks have hired former Cavaliers head coach David Blatt as an operations consultant. I don't know if that's going to help. uh, I don't know if that's a good move or not. That's just, just a Knicks move. Other New York news, Daniel Jones will start this weekend for the New York Giants. Don't get it. No reason to trot him back out there. Risk him any further, but sit your sit your young promising quarterbacks. Just do it. Pat Shermer's coaching for his job. Yeah, I think it's already kind of been written in stone. But eh, maybe a couple of wins here down the stretch will keep him around. And finally, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has removed Wakanda from its list of free trade partners, but not before social media got a hold of it. This week, the USDA posted a tariff tracker on its website that included the fictional Eastern African nation depicted in the Marvel superheroes universe and the 2018 film Black Panther. The USDA claims that Wakanda was included only as a test. As a test? As a test. Of what? I don't know. (laughs) Are we buying that from the government? I I, I would. Really? I think that they're a little smart. Um, 
Well, I'm not saying the government's not smart, but the, you want to do a test, not just test, not just type well, in a test. Well, what, you want to put in Wakanda. What other what other thing would it be? Like, I, like what other thing could it be other than a test? I, what if someone really thought it was a country and they're working in our government? <laughs> what if that were the case? I don't think anybody thinks it's a real country unless they've heard of it. But if you've heard of it, then you know that it's from the movie. Yeah, but if if you'd never seen the movie, you didn't know anything about Marvel, and you just heard Wakanda, you could probably buy that was a country. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But if somebody tried to, if somebody, if you'd never heard of it, and then somebody came up to you and was like, "Oh, dude, did you hear about the tribulations in?" Uh, I'd probably buy that. Yeah. I, it sounds like it's a real country, or it could be a real country. I've seen a lot of the things where, like, kids in school have done, like, presentations about Wakanda to mm-hmm. their teachers who have no idea. And they would just buy it. Yeah, yeah. But then, obviously, <laughs> you get told mm-hmm. that it's not a real thing, so mm-hmm. you remember that. So, I, I think that they knew. I, I don't think that that's a... Yeah. It would be funnier, though, if someone really did think that was a country. As mm-hmm. terrifying as that would be that they're in the government... It would be funnier. That's what I hope happened. Hey, there are people in the government who think olives are disgusting, so, like... I don't I don't like olives. Oh, okay. Well, Tanner, all right. <laughs> all right. Hey, I won't knock it because it's one of the few things you can eat, so I'll let you Oh, enjoy. wow. All right. Making fun of my allergies. All right. <laughs> I tell you what. I swear tomorrow he's going to... Br- he, they're going to be like, hey, snacks on the flight. He's going to be like, yes, please, a big bag of peanuts. Are you able to... Oh, no, that's right. Are you able to have, <laughs> like like, airplane food? I mean, like yeah, when they bring like, you those little cookies. Like, no, I can't have the cookies. But oh, I like pre- I can have pretzels. Can I have your cookies? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yes. Have cookies. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get an extra bag of cookies tomorrow. Hell yeah! I love those cookies, man. Those are good stuff. I didn't know you can buy those in stores, but then somebody brought. Actually, Jennifer, who's on the AM, uh, she's on in the AM for Q107. Uh, she let me know that you can actually get those in stores. So she brought a pack. Oh, the biscuits. I have here in studio here. Yeah, you can hear the, the wrapper crunch and what have you. Yeah, so this has kind of been like the office snack, the office supply. Now I see them in like any store I go to. Like, now they're just like revealed to me. Like, uh, so obviously I can't have airplane cookies. So mm-hmm. I like I see those a lot. I did not know the, the, that those were the airplane cookies. Yeah. Hmm. So, okay, so... I should probably wash my hands. No, no, you're chilling. Okay, good. You only touch the wrapper. You okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So I won't eat those around you. You had no idea those were in here, did you? Nope. Uh, you could have been walking into... I like, And obviously, I didn't know that those were the airline cookies, so I would have just been like, <laughs> oh, hey, nice cookies. Like, <laughs> Nice cookies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but the pretzels, okay. I'm, yeah, I can eat yeah. the pretzels. Yeah. And I can have their water. Okay. Well, I hope you can have water. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Let's go to a little basketball. Last night, the Bucks make a statement... It was a tight game through one quarter, and then Milwaukee just started laying the wood to the Lakers, and I get it. They're a little shorthanded. AD's not 100%. LeBron, for what we know, is healthy, and he was not peak LeBron last night by any stretch. He just got flat-out out-dueled by Giannis. Well, I think Mike Budenholzer is one of the best defensive coaches Absolutely. in the league. And what's the problem with the Lakers right now? Um, there's no one else outside of LeBron. They're still giving Rondo significant minutes. Um, well, <laughs> there's a lot of problems. With no, the no. Well, well, I'm saying that I think their biggest problem is uh, their three-point shooting. They can't shoot. That was it last year. Yeah. 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 Right. And this year. And sorry. What was the what was the case with the Bucks last year? The Bucks' biggest downfall last year was their three-point defense. They mm-hmm. gave up the largest percentage of uncontested three-point shots in the league. Mm-hmm. In the league. Which you can't do, which is why I think if the Warriors were to face the Bucks in the NBA Finals, they would have won last year. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors were just suited; they were just more well prepared for the Warriors. Nonetheless, 
Um, that being the case, the Bucks just match up super, super well. Their defensive scheme fits against the Lakers' offense just so well. And I think that that has a big thing to do with what we saw. Yeah, Anthony Davis, I should say, he did have 36 points last night, but defensively he just wasn't himself. LeBron just was not dominant like we're used to seeing, and the Lakers need that to be successful. They are one major injury away, not just to LeBron or AD, but to those role players because, you know, they had LeBron last year. Obviously, they didn't have Anthony Davis, but they had a lot of role players that didn't do their job and didn't give LeBron any kind of support. And they now did they're up- on New Orleans. Well, yeah, and they did upgrade as far as some of the role players. I mean, they switch out. Guys like Lance Stevenson for Danny Green. They bring in Avery Bradley. So it is somewhat Alex of an Caruso's upgrade. Alex has been a surprise. He has been a surprise. That could be on Bill Barnwell's NBA list for mm-hmm. most surprising things so far. But they have somewhat upgraded, albeit marginally, as far as the world players around them. But they need everybody healthy and everybody effective. They can't afford an injury or a player to have an off night the way that a team like the Clippers could. Yeah. They can't. No. I mean, the Clippers are more well-rounded, but I think top-heavy, Lakers, right? Yeah. I think LeBron and AD beats PG and Kawhi, which is surprising because that's still very close. Mm -hmm. But I think that the Clippers are just... They they can withstand one or two people going down. The Lakers cannot. Right. Which isn't a good sign because AD is a little injury-prone and LeBron is old. Yeah. I mean, he's getting to them, and LeBron has made it clear... He is going to play all 82 games this year if it's up to him. I know he's not into that load management thing. You see that beef between the Clippers and Lakers this week, and Doc Rivers is like, I think their philosophy on load management is whatever LeBron says it is. You know, Frank Mm -hmm. Vogel doesn't have any kind of control over them. Here's the thing, though. I love Doc Rivers, and I think he's one of the best coaches in basketball. He's not one of those coaches who wins because of his players, and he's won a title with the Celtics, so I love him. But I tell you what, his philosophy as far as – what players are going to play a certain night, it's not a whole lot different than the Lakers because I think Kawhi has more say in that locker room than Doc Rivers does uh, when Kawhi it comes to load management. Kawhi doesn't say anything. They, Kawhi probably just what sits I mean. there. He, he looks there and they're like, okay, blink twice if you want to, <laughs> to play tonight. And then he blinks twice. Just kind of laughs. Yeah. His, do his Kawhi laugh. Uh, they, they come to him, they're like, this is the minute sheet that we have planned out for tonight's game. And he goes, <laughs> and then we're like, okay, so that's bad. All right, let, let's readjust that. That was a pretty good invitation. Thank too. you, thank yeah. you, thank you. Did you practice that, or is that just kind of... I've heard one audio clip. I've heard the same audio clip for like a year and a half now. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that's the only one thing I have to go off of. I tell you what, though, um, as far as load management goes... I do think the Lakers will probably win here in about five days on Christmas Day when they play the Clippers, and then the Clippers are going to handle them in the playoffs. Because you're right, the top of the Lakers is better than the top of the Clippers. That being said, AD you know, needs to get healthy. He needs to be able to play defense, and he needs to be healthy to do that. But when it comes to the playoffs, one team is going to be rested and loaded, and one is not. Mm-hmm. And one is significantly deeper than the other. One is not. Yeah. One has a better coaching staff than the other. Yeah, the I mean both both of them have a player at the top of their chart that has won in, in that has won a Larry O'Brien Trophy too, and stuff like that with a significant role player who's never won MVP but has consistently been one of the best in the league. So mm-hmm. uh, they're very much the, a, a similar team. Just the Clippers still don't own that thing. The Clippers' biggest problem is that they lack an identity. They don't like. They're still the second most. They're still the third most popular team in California. <laughs> they like, kind of are. Yeah. In terms of popularity, yeah. 
Golden State is still going to feed off that popularity for a number of years. For a couple years. I mean, if they get James Wiseman this year, all of a sudden Clay Thompson comes back, Steph Curry's 100%, then who knows? Like, all of a sudden, they have a really, really good team again. So we don't know what the case is going to be, so... I tell you what, that James Wiseman thing is interesting, and we're going to get to that here in the coming segment because there is a whole mess of stuff to get into with that. Tell you what, though, uh, that's another surprising thing. If Bill Barnwell was doing a list this year, who would have thought that the Warriors would be the worst team in basketball this season? Yeah. Do you even watch those games anymore, like follow them? Or I'm like, in Michigan, man. Up? I'm in Michigan. Yeah. I, I can't watch those. <laughs> like, I mean, I work from 3 to midnight every night, so I get home, the game's in the fourth quarter anyway, and I see they're down 20. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> you don't follow them anymore? Like, I, I as... mean, I follow them. Like, I, I keep up to date with their injuries and stuff like that, and I check to see how Clay's, how Clay's hamstring's holding up and how Curry's finger's doing and stuff like that. So I check that stuff, but, I mean, the Warriors' top offensive option right now is Eric Paschal and Draymond Green. <laughs> like, no, no. Quinn Cook, too? Like, wait, no, we don't even have Quinn Cook anymore. Like, nope. Yeah. I tell you what, I give you credit because you're not a bandwagon guy, but none of the rest of us feel sorry for you after the last five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell you what. yeah, yeah, I get it. Tell you what, let's take our last time out. Let's get into James Wiseman and the new trend that he's setting next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, get caught up on demand with our free mobile app. You can get it from the Apple App Store, Google Play, or check out ESPNUP.com uh, and get the on-demand there. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad you're along. Patriot Boys Basketball and ESPN-UP tonight, 7.30 Eastern pregame, 7.45 tip. And we'll have it for you right here on ESPN-UP. It's my hope that you join me from Kingsford. I tell you what, Mike, James Wiseman shocked the world yesterday by saying he is not going to play college basketball anymore this season. He is going to head to the NBA. Now, for those of our listeners who may not know this story, let's set the record for you. James Wiseman is a seven foot one, just monster basketball player. He was playing at the University of Memphis this season in his freshman year. He's projected to be one of the top picks in the coming NBA draft. A few years ago, he and uh, his mother were trying to move from Nashville to Memphis. And Penny Hardaway, NBA great Penny Hardaway, who is now the coach at Memphis, is a family friend, and he gave the family money so that they could move, and a few years later, he was introduced as the men's basketball coach at Memphis. Well, that was great for the for the uh, Wiseman family. The mother said, family friend, a guy who's been good to us, helped us out in our time of need, is coaching at a great school. I'd love to send my boy there to go play for him. And they do. But the NCAA comes down and says, no, since you gave James Wiseman's family money, it's like you're trying to illegally recruit him to come. You're paying him before to come play for you. Before you knew you were the coach. Before you knew you were the head coach. And that's what the Wiseman family said. But the NCA shot back by saying that because Hardaway graduated from the University of Memphis, he's technically a booster for mm. that school. And that being said, they could never prove that Wiseman was given the money or even knew about the money. He may not have known that his mother got money from Penny Hardaway, but that being said, that the NCAA could never prove that the money was given to recruit James Wiseman to Memphis. That didn't stop the NCAA from suspending him indefinitely and eventually making it a 12-game suspension, which he was due to come back from on January the 12th. Yesterday, Wiseman said, I'm done. I don't need you. I can leave right now. I will not risk injury. 
I will get a huge contract next year. I will be one of the top picks in the NBA. I don't need you, as in the NCAA, college basketball, to make me a superstar. I tell you what, I think he's absolutely right for doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. here's the thing. A lot of people don't like it. They like, you know, especially from older generations, like the pure product of college basketball, like the way it was back then. You know, they don't like players getting paid, saying you're getting free room and board scholarships, what have you. Well, with James Wiseman, he's doing kind of the American thing. I mean, I'm an American. I'm a capitalist. This is a capitalist country, and James Wiseman is doing what's best for himself. It's in his best interest to do what he's doing. I don't blame him a bit for doing it. Yeah. What surprises me is people who come into college basketball and everybody knows they're going to be a top pick. Everybody knows they're going to be incredible. Everybody knows that. Why do they even bother? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's the equivalent of a baseball star hanging out in AAA. He knows he's ready. He could go up to the majors. He could get paid more. He wouldn't have to go on long bus rides. He knows he could compete up there. But he says, no, I'm good. I'm going to wait down here a little bit longer. That's the equivalent of James Wiseman playing the rest of his freshman season at Memphis. College basketball is the NBA minor league. As much as Adam Silver wants you to believe it's the G League, it's not. Because players in the G League are not being developed to be the team's next superstar. Those guys are there for depth. They're ready to get called up to fill out a roster if there's an injury, to be the 11th or 12th man on an NBA roster. College basketball is the true minor league for the NBA. Yep. I would agree with that. And, that's mean, what, and James Wiseman is taking full advantage of that. And that's the whole thing. Is like Everybody knows who the number one No matter how badly Zion Williamson played last year, he was still going to go, at worst, top ten. Right? Oh, yeah. He could right? quit after five games. People yeah. would have seen enough. Yeah. The only people that need to do something, that need to prove something, are the people that are on the cusp of being drafted. You right. Know, maybe. So, like, if you know you're going to... If you're coming into the season, they're like, oh, this guy's going to be a top 15 pick, a top 10 pick. I, I just wouldn't bother. Mm-hmm. What's the point? You could right. risk injury. You could risk people seeing you and being like, oh, maybe he's not as good and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing of like, why would a college football player want to stay an extra year at the same time? Right. And uh, when I was on NBCLA a couple of years ago, they asked me that. It was uh, it was Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen at the time. Mm-hmm. It was, should they stay an extra year? And I was like, no. <laughs> you should never, ever, ever play more college than you do professional. Never. There was never a scenario. You don't get paid. You ha- you're a top pick right now. They're like, well, what, what, what would be better, okay? That was their whole argument. was like, well, maybe they're not the top two picks right now. And it's like, okay, but you're a top ten pick. How much more up can you go? You're going to get, like, what, a million more dollars on your rookie contract? Stop. Like, don't be that greedy. Like, if you say people are going to start to know there's more flaws in you, they're going to have more film on you, they're going to... You could get hurt. So many things could go wrong. If you are a top recruit, and I know that's a very niche group that I'm speaking to right now, do not play more college than you have to. Only for the top recruits, though, because I think it's somebody like Deshaun Kaiser, a guy who absolutely needed one more year to develop and left way too early. Sam Darnold was the opposite. He should have left after his junior year. Instead, he came back and regressed as a senior at USC. Yep. And I wonder if we're going to start to see this trend now with bowl season starting today. Bahamas Bowl kicked off a little bit ago, if anyone's interested. But I wonder how many of these guys we're going to see sit out bowl games. We saw that last year with Michigan. We saw uh, Higdon, I think, was the running back, Karan Higdon. We saw Devin Bush decide to sit out. A handful of Alabama players we know are going to sit out when they play Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. It's just like, why would you risk doing that for next to nothing now i get i want to see the best players on the field on the court at the same time 
at the same time, though, I can't fault these guys for making that decision for themselves. No, I get that, but... Like, they're people, right? Mm -hmm. We can't just be like, oh, you guys are entertainers. You have to do this for us. Mm -hmm. They need to do what's best for them, like you said. And what's best for them is to stay fresh, stay healthy, and get the money that they know they're going to get already. They don't have anything to prove. What's the point? Mm -hmm. It's like the NCAA is starting to see a new trend emerge here. And James Wiseman is forcing the uh, the NCAA's hand. Well, the NBA's too, for that matter. Because lots of players are realizing what kind of power they have, what kind of leverage they have over the NCAA. And the NCAA is going to start to realize this was a mistake going after Wiseman for such a drop in the bucket, such a small amount of money that happened before Penny Hardaway was even the head coach at Memphis. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you can make the booster connection, but really, is that going to be worth it when you stand to lose? What James Wiseman alone could have brought to them. Yeah. You think about what he could have brought to them alone, and they're going to lose... How much money? Probably more than Penny Hardaway ever gave to the Wiseman family. And especially if this becomes a trend, the NCAA is going to regret. The NCAA may not exist in its current form in 15 to 20 years. It might exist, but it may not be the governing body of college athletics. No. No, that's the thing. Might be over in Lithuania. (laughs) (laughs) All the top talent will be overseas where they can get paid. College basketball is going to be some kind of watered-down mess. And I don't want that. I don't want that. The only way I can, you know, think of like getting the best players in college so we can have like the best versions of March Madness, you're probably gonna have to pay players. Yeah. Players are starting to realize that, hey, mm-hmm. we don't have to do this. We got the power. Neither. Yeah. They're making like He Man, dude. They got mm-hmm. the power. So like yeah. The NCAA needs to get with the times because they're falling behind. Mm-hmm. It's such an old school mentality, and I get it, you know, some people don't like change, what have you. They're going to get left in the dust if they don't change, and Mm -hmm. they have to. And the NBA could very well take advantage of this opportunity. I don't know if there's a partnership to be had with the NCAA, because, again, that's their minor league. Whether they want to admit it or not, it's not the G League. It's really not. The G League is there just to fill out rosters, what have you. But the next star talent is going to come from the college ranks. And the NBA, if they get a partnership with the NCAA, somewhere where they can you know, stipend players, give them some kind of compensation, that's probably the best move. That's probably a win-win for both organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not, you're not arguing with me in this. We sort of have the same idea on it. It's you need to have something that benefits both you and the players. Mm-hmm. And you thought that for the longest time you were benefiting the players by giving them free room and board, free education and stuff like that. However, for the top talent... They know that they're not going to need that education, no. so what's the point? No, uh, it's just to the point where that's not going to cut it anymore. Free room and board, tuition, what have you. I mean, I get, I am all for someone getting a degree because, you know, degrees can open a lot of doors for you. I'm not saying to skip out on getting your degree. That's not, you know, what I'm saying. But for a lot of these guys, for the Zions and the James Wisemans, that degree means nothing. Your room and board, it really means nothing. His livelihood is going to come from playing basketball professionally. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't get with the NCAA, why they can't see that or they refuse to see that. If they don't, I mean, whether it's right or wrong, you know, I think it's right. I'm not always right, though. But whether it is right or wrong, truly, it is reality. I and think that's a, where we're going. I think a lot of it has to do with the idea that the top players are going to get 
basically NBA level money from mm-hmm. NCAA, while the bottom level players will get no, next to nothing, and that's going to create this imbalance and this terrible thing, and it's going to create like strenuous situations between teammates and stuff like that. So I think maybe that has something to do with it, right. but I'm not quite sure because you're not going to pay Zion the same as Alex O'Connell, for example. You're not going to pay mm-hmm. the top guy in your team the same as the 12th guy on your team. So maybe not paying the players is the next step, and, but certainly allowing them to benefit from merchandise. And actually, another thing, too, would be paying the players, I think, would... Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Obviously, I think you should sure. pay the players. But I think paying the players would create more of an imbalance with the top basketball programs in America. Because, let's face it, Alex O'Connell on Duke last year, right? Yep. Just being on Duke gives you so much more media availability and mm-hmm. just time to be seen and stuff like that because you're playing with the top players. So all of a sudden, you might have a guy like John Morant who very early in the season was pretty much unknown yeah. and stuff like that. And he's not getting as much as Alex O'Connell just because O'Connell is sitting next to Zion Williamson. I tell you what, you bring up a really good point there. And I, I just want to clarify uh, my position on this. I do believe that players have the power of the NCAA and they're starting to realize it, and I don't blame them for doing the best decision uh, for them, which is what James Wiseman did. I'm not a fan of outright paying players. I do believe they should be able to profit off their likeness, merchandise, what have you. That's kind of where I stand on that, what have you. But paying players itself, that's tricky. I don't know that we're there yet, but being able to profit off their likeness, I'm absolutely for that. Okay, gotcha. Uh, just, Just to clarify. Yeah. With that... We're out of time. Appreciate you, man. Have a great trip back home and a great trip. When are you coming yeah. back? I'm coming back the 28th. Okay. Which is a Saturday. All right. Works yeah. for me. Yeah. Works for me because I'm back the 29th, so we're not going to get the same flight back. No, unfortunately. <laughs> we are flying out tomorrow, though, so I will see you tomorrow at yeah. 7 a.m. Well, do you have anything coming up then at ABC 10? I mean, be we gone? have Episode 5, the finale of Learning to Lead, Philip Blue, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's the finale. It's, it's been... It's been something, man. <laughs> Just going through it. I've been working on this thing for like three months now. Um, the first four episodes have all aired. The fourth episode is not made it to Facebook yet just mm. because we've been very hectic trying to get highlights and stuff like that. But that will be um, – I will be putting that on Facebook today. And then episode five will be brought to you guys at 5.30 and 6 today. Now you have been working hard on that. I think you're starting to go gray a little bit. Oh, really? Oh. That's that's not good. <laughs> yeah, two all-nighters this week just working Oh, man, I, I, I'm the same way. I just came into the office today. I'm like, I just don't want to do anything. You know, I was well, in the a few the, nights ago. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we know we're going to do nothing for a week, and we just want to get there already. You well, know? I, I still got the trip to Kingsford ahead of me. Tonight. Oh, so I'm going to you, going, yeah, I'm going so to Kingsford, you yeah. and then we're both up. Uh, to the airport, plenty of. I still tomorrow. need to do There's laundry and I need to vacuum. <laughs> like I'm going to be up super. I got Friday night frenzy. I have to be on the show at 11:30 tonight, so uh, it's going to be a big what. one, man. We uh, we we do the dirty work. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Thanks for being with us. A reminder that I'll be flying home tomorrow morning, but we'll still have the sports pen Monday and Thursday. Our special look back at the 2010s as a decade. It's my hope you join us. And then Sunday, we'll play both hours together from 10 to 12 right here on ESPN-UP. Here's hoping that you have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for being a listener. I appreciate you, and I appreciate Marquette. It's been a great place to me, and I'm excited to be back. That's it for us once again. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Have a Merry Christmas from all of us at ESPN-UP. WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.